Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll conclude our study of the book of Malachi. If you have a Bible with you, turn to Malachi chapter 3, verse 16, and follow along while I read. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. And I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then, once more, you shall see distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all the evildoers will stumble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and the rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. As we've studied through the book of Malachi, we've seen that Judah doubted God's love, and God told them that they had actually dishonored him, and they had corrupted his sanctuary, and they had made him very weary by the way that they interacted with him. In the last episode, we saw where he accused them of robbing God and speaking harshly about him. But in this section of scripture, God makes it very clear that not everyone in Judah was guilty. There were some who were faithful. In this section of scripture, I think we see what it means to be faithful to God. Right off the bat, we see that the faithful are in community. There's a togetherness that they share. Verse 16 said, those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. They had to be in close proximity. They had to get together and talk about these things and discuss how to avoid tragedy, how to stay in line with God's will. As Christians, we're encouraged by Scripture to come together for the purpose of encouraging one another and strengthening one another and equipping one another for works of service. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We also see here that the faithful fear the Lord and esteem his name. Going back to verse 16 of chapter 3, it says, The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. These are the people that God calls faithful. 
As we've mentioned in previous episodes, fear here is not being scared of God. It's having a reverent awe and holding his name in esteem, not taking it for granted, but holding it up, not doing anything that denigrates that name or brings reproach on it. These are the people that are faithful. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, Paul wrote, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Paul also writes to another church in Thessalonica. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, he says, To this end we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling, and may fulfill every resolve for good, and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul tells Christians that part of esteeming God's name is acting in a way that God's name is glorified, the name of Jesus is glorified. I've heard it said this way, We should be the reason that people love Jesus, not the reason that people hate Christians. Also in this text, we see that the faithful are righteous. In verse 18 of chapter 3, it's written, Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. Righteousness is one of those churchy words that basically means to do the right thing, especially in this context. Malachi says there will come a time when it will be obvious by the way people are behaving who is righteous and who is unrighteous, between the ones who serve God and the ones who don't. When we get to the New Testament, Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, verses 13 and 14, do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. Paul says we should be willing to present ourselves to God as those who have been brought back from death, people who are fully alive in him. In doing that, we become vessels or instruments of his righteousness. We allow him to work in us and through us to affect our behavior and our attitudes and our thoughts in ways that bring honor and glory to him. Not because we've been placed under some burden of a law that forces us to do that, but because we are so grateful for the favor or the grace that God has given us. Later in that chapter, Paul goes on to say, For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. As we surrender to God and let him do his work in us and through us, it purifies us. If we continue to see ourselves slipping into bad habits and bad behaviors, there's a part of us that we've still not surrendered to God to let him do his cleaning, his cleansing, so that he is magnified, so that he is glorified, and so that we are sanctified. And returning back to Malachi, we also learn that the faithful are heard and remembered by God. Remember what he said in verse 316. 
the Lord paid attention and heard them. Those who are faithful to God have a special connection to him and can be assured that he hears their prayers. He hears the cry of their hearts. He knows their longing, and he desires desperately to give them all that they need. It says that God remembered these faithful. It's not that he is prone to amnesia, that he can't remember who is faithful and who's not. When this word is used in the Hebrew, it has to do with being on one's mind. God thinks about us. We are on his mind. We all have those special people in our lives who we're always willing to pick up the phone for, who will always take the call whenever they make it. Those are often the same people that when we're separated from them, we're thinking about them. They're on our minds. That's the language that's being used here to describe how God interacts with his faithful. When we get to the New Testament, in 1 John chapter 5, 14, we read, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. The promise made in Malachi is one that extends through all time for God's people. And as Malachi talks about being remembered by God, he expounds on that. And in chapter 3, verse 17, Malachi lets us know that those faithful are a treasured possession of God's. It says, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. And then right after that, he says part of being remembered by God is that those faithful will be spared. He says, and I will spare them as a man who spares his son who serves him. When we're on God's mind, we can know that we are treasured by him because he's thinking about us. And we can know that he is never going to forget about us and allow us to be destroyed. He will rescue us and save us. But as we get into chapter four, there's another thing that we're told about God remembering his faithful. In verse two, it says, but for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. God is not only going to rescue us from despair and tragedy and destruction, he's going to heal us. He is going to set everything right. We as Christians certainly have similar promises made to us in the New Testament. Jesus says that he's gone to prepare a place for us and that he will come back and take us there so that we can live with the Father forever. And as that existence is described throughout the New Testament, it is a place where there'll be no more crying, there'll be no more sorrow, and there'll be no more sickness. God is going to heal us and set everything right. And then this prophecy of Malachi closes with a request from God. It's basically that because God remembers his people, he wants us to remember some things about him. In chapter 4, verse 4, he asked the faithful to remember that he has instructed his people how to live. He said there, remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. God had given Judah the rules they needed, the advice they needed, the counsel they needed to live a rich and full life and a way to please him and bring honor to his name. In the New Testament, the Apostle Peter reminds Christians of basically the same thing. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Peter writes, 
His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Peter lets us know God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. We can know how to live and be godly because of all that God has revealed to us. God also asked Judah to remember that he does provide a solution to set everything right. In chapter 4, verse 5, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. There is a promise there of judgment, but there's also the promise of mercy, that he will send someone ahead of that judgment to make sure they understand that it's coming and that they have a chance to respond in a way that allows God to rescue them. I do know some people that think the Elijah in this passage is referring to the actual Elijah, and he will come before the final judgment when Jesus returns. But I would ask you to consider some passages in the New Testament where Jesus himself talks about this Elijah. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 14, Jesus says, if you are willing to accept it, he, talking about John the Baptist, is Elijah who was to come. And in Mark chapter 9, verse 13, Jesus says, But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it was written of him. At the time Jesus says these things, Israel has been longing for a Messiah. They've been longing for God to set things right. And God is going to do that. And he sends John the Baptist first to get people's attention, to let them know what's about to happen. And Jesus comes and he offers the invitation to be the king of all of those who want to please God. There were some who rejected that. And as Jesus saw those people rejecting that invitation, he wept over them. He wept over Jerusalem because he knew that it would be destroyed as a result of their rejection. Some people see that as the fulfillment of what Malachi was talking about at the end of this prophecy. But I don't want to go too far down that path because I don't want us to lose our focus on the main point here, that God does provide a solution to set everything right. Returning to the writings of the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, Christians are told, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. God provides the solution for all that's wrong. The faithful will be a part of that solution. Those who accept the invitation of Christ and allow him to be king of their lives. Which leads me into our last point. According to chapter 4, verse 6, God asks the faithful to remember that turning their hearts can save them from destruction. It says, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. This idea of turning one's heart, which affects one's thoughts and actions, puts them on a completely different course than they had previously been on, is described in the New Testament as repentance. Romans chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 says, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? 
But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Paul tells his readers in Romans that when God is good to us, when God blesses us, when God offers to rescue us, that is not a license to be self-indulgent. That is a plea to change course, to get on his path, on a path that leads to life rather than destruction. As we look at what Malachi has to say about the faithful, we mention four things, and we may be tempted to think of faith as one of those things, but we don't always take the time to see them all together. Are we a faithful people? Are we living in community with other faithful people? Are we fearing the Lord and esteeming his name? Are we doing the righteous things he's called us to do? And are we convinced that we are heard and remembered by God? If so, we should remember that God has instructed us how to live. He has provided a solution that sets everything right. And it's only when we turn our hearts to His that we can be spared from destruction. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.